Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for keeping the tradition alive and on the first week of the NFL regular season wearing your jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of y'all wore the wrong one, but we sang about God being a God of the impossible, so maybe the Bears will have a winning season <clears throat> this time. Uh, me and Eric were talking about our teams and how we were a little bit almost, almost ashamed, right, Eric? Almost. Uh, to wear our jerseys, but you know, we got to represent hard, right? So here I am in my Chicago Bears uh, jersey, but we are continuing in week two of our discipleship series. Uh, X marks the spot where we want to help you discover or for some rediscover discipleship as it pertains to us here at Every Nation Las Vegas. We also want to help you discover the purpose of it all. How many know God has a purpose? Last week, Pastor Matt shared about God's uh, just incredible purpose that he has from the very beginning for us. We're a part of it and how we are called to help advance that, uh, that purpose. Uh, and so, so I just appreciate that God has us all together uh, and that we're, a part of, on, we're on this ride together. It's um, like, that, uh, like that movie, we, we ride to get together, we, we die together, right? Po- extra bonus points if you know what movie that's from. <laughs> All right, so let me just go ahead and, just, and just, just give it to you. Here at Every Nation Las Vegas, we have something that you might have heard of called the four E's. Has anybody ever heard of the four E's? If you haven't, here's a hint. We have banners out in the lobby with the four E's, okay? <laughs> and so, and it's funny, um, I, a good friend of ours is here, a, a spiritual family friend, um, and I'll introduce him later, but he came in, he said, uh, Pastor Roman, I think those are out of order. And I looked and I said, you know, I, I, I think you're right. And so I just kind of switched two of them. And, but it's all good. It's all good. We just, you know, we engage the lost. The first E is engage the lost. We engage our family, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors. We engage strangers. How many engage strangers? Someone going, maybe. I'm working on my neighbors still, right? That's all right. God is, God is helping us. After we engage the lost, those that respond, we establish them in the faith. We teach them about salvation, the decision that they just made. We, we talk about uh, baptism, right? We establish them in the word and prayer and all the things that a healthy Christian diet encapsulates. So engage, establish. The third E is equip. Say equip. How many have felt equipped in the last several months? either through classes or through your life group or just hanging out with other people. And so we equip people to do basic ministry. We should all know how to give our testimony. We should all know how to share our faith. We should all know how to lead somebody to the Lord if they say, yes, I want what you have, right? And then finally, the last E is empower. We empower those to do it all over again. It's like wash, rinse, repeat. You became a disciple. You help others become a disciple. We help people follow Jesus, and we follow him together. So the four E's, engage, establish, equip, and empower. And so last week, Pastor Matt kicked off our series and talked about how we engage with the purpose of God, with his divine purpose. And so today I get to talk to you about the second E, which is being established specifically in in faith and in in the word. Okay, we're going to talk about this today. Now, I forgot I want to read something out of the purple book, so uh, excuse me as you guys talk about world peace or something. I want to read the preface of our purple book, which is a class that is actually going on right now as we speak. It's a revolving class. 
12 weeks. Um, you can jump in at any time. If you miss the first few chapters, you just wait until it rolls back around and you finish them. Uh, but it is uh, what we call the Purple Book. It's a class. And it says uh, biblical foundations for building strong disciples. And that's what we're talking about today. So I want to read this preface to you because uh, it has um, significant meaning to me. This was written by one of our co-founders of uh, our Every Nation movement, uh, Pastor Rice Brooks. And he says, Several, uh, many years ago, I took, a team, a, excuse me, I took a team of students to the island of Guam for an evangelistic outreach. Checking into my hotel, I was given what would later prove to be a prophetic sign. Sir, the clerk said as she handed me my key. Your room is 911. Everyone joked about how I would be getting all the emergency calls. Two days later, one of the century's worst earthquakes, 8.2 on the Richter scale, jolted the island. Even more incredible, it lasted for 60 bone-chilling seconds. Inside room 911, the world seemed to explode. The television hurtled to the floor, slammed from its perch. The sliding glass door shattered into millions of pieces. We ran for the fire escape only to find the route blocked. With nowhere else to go, we stood on the balcony, writing out the most terrifying minute of our lives. With each tremor came a growing certainty that the building would soon collapse. We were about to die. Suddenly, just as I felt like the hotel would rip in half, all motion ceased. We found a way out and made our way to the street, singing the praises of God, of course. Never had I found a more humble audience and had an easier time telling strangers about the Lord. After a major earthquake, how many know you got, God's got their attention? So Pastor Rice began to preach. The next day, we toured the island to assess the damage. One of the images that stood out was a brand new hotel on the verge of collapse. Two of its floors had disintegrated and the rest of the structure tilted like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Before the quake, it appeared perfectly sound. But the storm of this earthquake revealed what was really there beneath the surface. Uh, because the foundations were faulty, the entire building had to be demolished. Thankfully, the engineers who designed our hotel did not make the same mistake. Though it cost them time and money, they took into account the fact that they were building in an earthquake zone, designing and building the foundations accordingly. There's an important lesson in all of this. We, too, live along a fault line. The tectonic plates of sin are pushing hard against us. From the Middle East to our middle schools, everywhere, we see massive upheaval. If we're going to build lives that will stand, not just any foundation will do. The fact is, however, that it is the, uh, wait, excuse me. Um, ah, we are living in one of the greatest times in church history. Technology has drawn the world so tightly together that we can realistically hope to reach every nation and tribe and language with the gospel. But with this great opportunity comes an even greater responsibility. This was written before Spider-Man. I just want to let you guys know that. Okay, Pastor Rice coined that, that, that phrase. It is vital that the, it, uh, that the faith we preach is also the one that we live out. In all its powerful life and nation-transforming glory, 
The early church turned their world upside down. They reached multitudes without jets, without computers, without the internet, not even sound, not even a sound system. What spoke the loudest was their lives. People saw the transforming power of Christ in the men and women who left everything to follow him. The fault lines that ran through the Roman Empire and the many earthquakes, both literal and spiritual, that followed only tested their foundations and helped them stand when everything else around them came crashing down. I gave my life to Christ a month before that earthquake hit. I had just gotten back to the island. I remember Pastor Rice arriving with Pastor Ron Lewis. And, uh, and I started hanging out with these guys. Um, and it was the first time that I, I fully gave my life to the Lord. Before that, I was only playing games. I would go to church with my sister, Davina, who's here today. Um, and I would, you know, I would play church. But a month before that earthquake, uh, I really got my life right with God. Um, I remember the hotel. It was called the Royal Palm with the faulty foundation and the faulty uh, where they were joining some of, the, some of the pillars, all faulty. And so it was one of the only major buildings on Guam that, had, that shifted so much that it had to be demolished. It was two towers, both about 12 stories high, each with about 220 rooms. So this was significant. It was a big hotel. And so, you know, just like that earthquake, I remember... The, the ground was actually doing waves. If you were to look out at the ground, you could actually see parts of it going higher than the other. The whole place was just was rocking and rolling for a whole entire minute. I remember thinking when I first heard the rumble, it was so loud and so piercing. I thought it was a jet plane flying, flying over our building, only to come to the realization that this is a real earthquake. When the whole ground beneath us started to shift, I'm not talking about shake. I'm talking like it would move a foot this way and move a foot that way. Talk about being terrified. There is being scared, and then there is terror. And we were terrified. And you know, we can find the same effect when in our world we find things that we thought were normal shifting. Things that we thought were constant are changing. And it's like things are in transition. We just went through a worldwide pandemic where the whole entire earth came to a stop. How many know that'll freak people out? And so people are scared, they're bewildered, they're confused, they're angry. This is what happens when shaking starts. And that's why I wanted to read that because it was a real, real significant moment in my life. But it's also... Uh, significant of our time right now and that's that people are looking for something to build on that will not change so we're going to talk about being established we're going to read in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through 27 if you don't have something to read with uh, a bible or a device just follow along with me in verse 24 it says everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on what? On the sand. This was significant because that hotel was built right on the ocean, on one of the most beautiful beaches 
on the island of Guam. It was built on sand, faulty foundation, faulty building. After they did an investigation, they found that they, um, the inspector what, didn't even have the authority to pass the inspections, that the builder had taken shortcuts. The suspicion is that they worked together to maybe pocket some money. Uh, and so, of course, we had a faulty building. And so, uh, the foolish man built his house on the sand. Verse 27, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Father, we thank you today for your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you for your help as always. To help us to understand and to glean, but Father, to give us the grace to do. And that's what your word is all about. Matter of fact, that's exactly what we're talking about today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just get through some of the obvious things. And so there's some comparisons when we read this verse. And I might paraphrase a couple of other verses, but this is going to be our main text. We're not going to deviate a whole lot from this. So you have two men. Both men have the same dream. They have this desire to build a house. How many own a house? How many have a dream or a desire to own a house one day? Okay, we'll pray for you. I believe God can do that. I believe that's easy for him. So they want to both uh, build a house. In the Bible, a house can refer to several things. It can refer to uh, your life. We all want to be uh, successful. We all want to have a solid, you know, life to look back on, right? Most of us um, want dreams. Uh, we have dreams of lives that will be well-lived, basically. A house can be uh, interpreted as family. It can be interpreted as church or as ministry, uh, it can also resemble a nation or a government um, or, uh, or a nation. And so as we're reading this, what the Bible is really saying is that the house being built can represent your personal life, your family life, or your spiritual life. The second comparison is this. Both men were religious. Both apparently were there when Jesus was speaking. They were listening to the same spiritual information. They were listening to the same message, the same sermon. They were going to the same church, the same words. And there's nothing like having the living word speak the written word right in front of you. And that means if he does that, then any other word shouldn't matter, no matter where it comes from. So apparently they're both believers they're going to the same church. They had the same dream. They, went, they were part of the same ministry, listening to the same sermon. But there was something else that kind of conjoined them. And that was that they were experiencing the same storm. And there's something about storms, and it's this. When a storm arrives, you can't control it. This ain't X-Men, where a storm arrives and she can do the tornado and stop it and you know what I'm saying when a storm arrives it's 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 an act of God it's nature you're not stopping it we've had some serious thunderstorms here this this summer season which I appreciate because it makes things a little bit cooler you know and so but that's where the comparisons end and the contrast begins so because it says one man was wise and the other man 
was a fool. Don't shoot the messenger. That's what the Bible calls this person. Just get it out of our system. Say fool. You guys are serious fool. Now, being wise or foolish has nothing to do with your education. Being wise or foolish has nothing to do with your degree, your MBA, your PhD, your diploma, whatever, your certifications, whatever you may obtain. Has the Bible here, when it's talking about being wise or being foolish, has nothing to do with those. And I'm sure we have all in our lifetime come across some educated fools before, haven't we? Just saying. So in the Bible, wisdom is your ability to apply God's spiritual or biblical truths to real life situations. That's what wisdom is. Let me repeat that for some of you. Wisdom is your ability to apply. Say apply. God's biblical truths or his spiritual truths to your real life situation. So as we talk about building proper foundations, especially in the context of discipleship, there are three things a wise man's foundation is built on. The first one, it's based on the bedrock of obedience. Here's what verse 24 says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, in my own notes I underlined does, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That word rock actually means bedrock. For those of you who aren't familiar, bedrock is down further below the soil, which means you have to dig a little bit. And where you're shoveling dirt, suddenly you hit something like that. That's bedrock. And there's a large sheet of it underneath. And so that's where the Bible is talking about building your foundation, on that sheet of of bedrock, below the soil. So... um, Right after high school, uh, me and my brother-in-law did fencing with, with some family friends of ours who owned a business. Matter of fact, some of you met them a couple of months ago when they came. They were here on the front row. They actually uh, were a significant part of our spiritual growth. They discipled my sister, um, and my sister is one that led the rest of our family to the Lord, and we're here today, and I'm standing before you fulfilling the calling that God has given me uh, because of them. And so we used to uh, do fencing with them. And so we used to have to carry and dig the desert. I don't know about you, but do you realize that Arizona is the big brother of Vegas? It hits like 112 degrees at night. And so we would be out in the desert, and we would be digging, and it's almost like we were looking for that bedrock, especially when you're doing cinder block. And so we're, we're digging, hit bedrock. That's, that's where we want to build. So according to our text, a wise man can have a dream, and a fool can have a dream. Both men heard biblical truths, which means that a wise man can listen to a sermon, and so can a fool. A fool can listen to a sermon. Both were in a storm, so a wise man can experience trouble, and a foolish man can also experience trouble. So ask yourself this question real quick, and you don't have to give an answer, but which one are you? You can tell because the difference is clear. One is called wise, and the other is foolish. Here's how you can tell. One man built his house on a rock, 
the other on sand. Their foundations were different. Everything else was the same. Their foundations were different. They started at the same time, but they did not start and build in the same place. And as you're talking about building foundation, it is the most crucial part of the building because the quality of the foundation determines everything else about the building. The higher you want to go, the deeper your foundation needs to be. We all want skyscraper lives, but we're not willing to have that skyscraper foundation. We all want skyscraper careers. We all want skyscraper paychecks. We all want skyscraper families. But the question is, what foundation are you building on? Because if it's not on the right one, down the line, it is guaranteed to not make it. So we start with the foundation because it's essential to everything else. So what determines if you're operating on a solid foundation or, or on sand? Here it is. Jesus said that they both heard the word of God, but only one acted on those words, and the other did not. And so your foundation is not tied to information. Your foundation is not tied to, to a lesson or even a sermon. It's tied to execution. That's what our foundations are tied to. When you hear the word of God, do you do it or does it stay information? A lot of people say knowledge is power. It's not. Applied knowledge is power. It's when you actually take the knowledge and you do something with it. It's the same with God's word. How many of you have motion sensor lighting in your house? You got maybe, some, maybe a floodlight outside when somebody pulls up, you know, the light turns on. You know those floodlights actually have power wired 24-7? But they're programmed to only work when it senses movement. And we have a motion-sensing God. His power works when he senses that we take his word and we put motion to it. And we do something with it. And then God's power, God, God comes through for us. So if something is not working in your life, the problem may not be God. The problem may be, uh, you know, not the source, but it may be with us. We can come up with temporary solutions, but you'll find out quickly that you'll be in the same situation as before. We need to stop trying to use the known word of God and start using the activated word of God. That's what Jesus is waiting for. We're waiting on God. Sometimes he's saying, no, no, I'm waiting on you. I haven't changed. I've been doing this for generations. Trust me, my word works. And so he's waiting on us. Secondly, a wise man's foundation is continually tested by trials and by tribulation. Say continually. Something about God is that he will never make your life storm free. He'll make it storm proof, not storm free. Storms will come and go as the seasons do. The one thing about Guam, now that I think about it, I, I think I've realized it, but now that I'm preaching about it, Guam is in one of the craziest areas of the world. 
It's in the Northwest Pacific, which, was, which is some of the warmest waters in the world. When you have warm waters, you have a breeding ground for crazy tropical storms and cyclones. And on that side of the world, near Asia, we call them typhoons. Over here, we call them hurricanes. Other parts of the world, they're called, they're called, they're called cyclones. And so on Guam, we've had some of the strongest storm systems ever produced on record. And so storms come through, but here's the thing. Your foundation is revealed only when a storm comes through. When everything's good and, and fine, it's easy to, to show up and, and look good. It's easy to say the right things. It takes a storm to reveal where we really are, and that's why they're constant. Think about it. So back to the rock. It represents building the right way. It's not cheap. It's definitely harder work, but it's the right way to go. It takes longer to dig, longer to reach that, that bedrock we talked about. But so many people in churches all across America, really across the world, settle for a softer, watered-down, sandy foundation. And so God doesn't want his word, his revelation to be, to be diluted. He doesn't want his truth to be skewed when you or someone else you know has, has an opinion about what the Bible says. He doesn't want your beliefs, your background, or your cultural background to cause foundational cracks when those things contradict what the Bible actually says. And when it comes to our faith in God, and especially in regards to his word, he doesn't care what the professionals say. He doesn't care what culture says. He doesn't care what your mom and dad say. <laughs> right, moms and dads? We think we know everything, but we do. <laughs> and God loves your friends, but he definitely will not be subject to them either. And so God wants to be the one to define your humanity. He wants to be the one to define what a family is. He's the one that wants to define the spiritual norms the, the moral standards, God wants to be the one to do those things. And the way God works is simple. The closer you get to him, the more you put his word into action, the more results you'll see. It's not doesn't take a scientist, right? Things will come together, but the more you ignore what he says, or the more you just hear and just kind of sit idle as if you knew it, Anyway, and still nothing happens. The more that happens, the more chaotic our lives seem to become. And so we have this facade that looks good while the foundation may be shifting and breaking and cracking. So I started to tell you about Guam's earthquakes and now all the storms that, that came through. There's, a, there's uh, that area of geography has a nickname. It's called Typhoon Alley. Typhoon Alley. It would be similar to Florida and Dade County, which I guess that could be called Hurricane Alley from the Bahamas. Now, those storms take that path, and on this side of the world, they take that path as well. And so they'll form near us. They'll strengthen in the warm waters. 
they'll even double in 24 hours. So if you have a storm that's going 40 miles an hour, you wake up the next morning, it's now 80, winds of 80 miles per hour. The storm system, there was one particular storm system that for a while kind of held the record. I think there's one in the Philippines that maybe finally beat it. Uh, but um, there were, we have two large military bases on Guam and they have these, uh, these uh, tools that, that measure the wind speed. The last measured wind speed was 226 miles per hour before the wind meters or whatever you call them broke. So it's possible that the wind could have got even stronger. Well, here's the thing. We know that storms come, show up all the time. It's continual. But remarkably, these storms that pass through Guam, and then we eventually hand them off to the Philippines where they're, they're already stronger. But their category four and five super typhoons is what they call them. But here's the thing about Guam. We have one of the strictest building codes around. Because of the earthquakes and because of the storms, probably 85 to 90% of the houses are built with uh, all concrete. Your foundation, your exterior walls, and your ceiling is concrete. So majority of the island, because we've learned our lesson, and it's funny because, you know, during hurricane season, I turn on the news and I'll see, like, you know, a Category 2 or 3 hurricane will wipe out, like, half of southern Florida. And buildings are all over the place. And it's like, man, you know, we've never had to experience that. Now, in Guam, we've had bad storms. We might have lost power for a while. We might have lost running water, which is terrible for a while. But we always have a home to stay in because they don't move. Because the way that it was built, we can rely on it. And God wants our lives to be the same. Nobody likes storms. Nobody enjoys hardship. But if built on God and his word and being established on his foundation, the storm can come my way and I just know that I'm just going to be all right. That's the importance of building on the foundation of God's word. As, as bad as these storms are, as bad as these earthquakes are, sometimes situations in our life can have more impact than even those. And if you're not on the right foundation, it'll wreck you. So some people have chaotic lives. Some people have chaotic relationships. Some people have chaotic homes. Not us. <clears throat> I'm glad my wife's not in here. It can go beyond that. We can have chaotic governments. Sometimes we have chaos in our churches. But I'm just glad that I'm established on God's foundation. A lot of times people will take, you know, the foundation and they'll mix it, you know, instead of having, you know, something totally solid. They'll, they'll bring a little bit of sand in and a little water. Me and my brother-in-law have worked with cement before and there's ways to cheat the cement, make it stretch, go further. It's just not as strong. And we've done that. And so some people will do that. They'll, they'll take the foundation. They'll take just enough of God to feel safe. Or they'll take just enough of God to look good and look strong. But down deep beneath the surface is just not 
the same. And we all know somebody who was doing well, and all it, take was, all it took was one shaking, and they're not the same. We all know people who have been in church, doing well, growing spiritually, in love with God, and all it took was one shaking, and, and, and we, don't, we don't see them. We're running rescue missions to tell them, man, everything's going to be fine. Trust God, right? And there have been some things in my life, had I not been on God's foundation, and I'll be honest, there are some things where I, did, I didn't feel like I could make it. It was very close, very dear to me. Unusual deaths in the family, just untimely, just weird, no answers. You know, or, or members of your family uh, getting seriously sick or ill. There's no, there's no answers for those things. Those are real shakings. And I've been through a, a couple of those. Here's the thing. Is although I thought I wasn't going to make it, I'm here. Thank God because of his word. Even, even the times where I'm going, you know, God, I don't know if this is working. And God's going, it is. Stick with it. Keep on keeping on. Don't bail out. That's not part of my plan. I've still got more for you. If you would just hang in there. Hang in there. And so I have people in my life who, who begin to preach to me and, and quote scripture to me. Even while I'm pouting. Even while I'm complaining. Part of being firmly rooted on the right foundation is, is a community. And we teach people here to be a part of a community. It will save your life. I promise you. We've been through some things, haven't we, Pastor Matt? We've been, yeah, just a little bit. We know what it's like, but God has never, ever failed. Never. Let me get to the last point. It's this. I kind of reworded this. I don't know how this is going to come across. I always do stuff like this. Uh, ultimately, it is delivered from destruction and disaster. Here's the way I put it in my notes. A wise, man, a wise man's foundation is continually... Delivered from destruction or disaster, whatever you want to fill in that, that last word. So now we're told that a storm came, and we know that this was a category four or five. It was a super typhoon, right? Because the Bible tells us that one of the houses came crashing down. The rain came, uh, the floods came, um, you know, and it came, it says it, it fell with a great, great crash, depending on your. Uh, whichever translation you're reading, it fell with greatness. None of those are good, by the way. But the house came crashing down. Uh, and I'll read it again, verse 25. The uh, rain fell, the floods came, winds blew, and beat on that house. Sometimes these things come and they beat on your life. Sometimes life happens and they beat on your family. It, it, you know, and, and you're, you're trying to figure out, God, why is all this happening? Why am I unemployed? Why is so-and-so sick? Why didn't so-and-so make it? Those tectonic plates, they're seismic. I mean, right? Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house. Uh, I didn't finish verse 25. Uh, but the house did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Then the other house, there's, remember there's two. One fell, one didn't. And so those who hear words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain fell, floods came, winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. Again, one house made it, and the other one didn't. And this is the main contrast 
of this parable. Right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, here's Jesus and he's delivering this parable. The house that didn't make it, uh, the house that did make it would make it over and over and over again. Just reading the Bible, we, we know this. It, it was built to withstand storms. We have been in our house while we had these super typhoons and we have the windows boarded up and shuttered and as the wind is blowing through, you could feel the pressure on your ears and your head. And it feels like the wind is just going to suck the windows and that wood right out. And your house, although it's concrete, it feels like it is vibrating. And the wind, it's not a howl. It's a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's that wind coming through every crevice of your home. Although rain can't make it into the house, the pressure is so strong, water will seep in through little cracks in a window or a door. And so we would have floods in our house not because the rain was coming in, but because the wind was pushing the little bit of water in. But the house made it. At least the houses we lived in made it every single time, and they still stand today because they were built and designed to withstand these storms. And this is what God wants for our lives, is that we would build our lives and design them to withstand such things. Did we have damage? Yeah. Did we have broken windows? Yeah. I had an exterior door, heavy, heavy wood pulled from its hinges. We had to run and get a piece of wood and hammer it so that the door wouldn't, wouldn't open. Was there damage? Yeah. Was it pretty? No. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah. I was trying to stick with one constant yeah or no, but it didn't work. But you get the picture. The house is still there. The little two-bedroom, 900-square-foot that me and my wife bought when we first got married, is still there. My sister's house, which was built after me and my wife got married, is still there, and it's been through all kinds of super, super storms. They were designed a certain way. Now, we've all had major tragedy in our lives. We've all had major events in our, in our families. And again, we don't understand these things. But most people would be rocked. Most people would be shipwrecked. But you know, the people of God have some kind of immunity, and it's called the word. And it's called his foundation. And we don't get it, and we don't understand it. But you know what? I would rather be nowhere else than right there where God has called us and designed us to be. Now, here's a crazier question. As I talk about... As I, as I bring this to a close, what happens when we build on the right foundation? We, as God's people, become more resilient. We become stronger, and we become tougher. So the benefit for us is very obvious, very obvious. We get better. We get stronger. Our perspective starts to balance. That's an obvious, but here's another question. Does God benefit? from our being established? Does, does God benefit when we build on his, on his firm foundation? And I would tell you, yes, he benefits. Because God is committed to something called the church. That's us. That's his people. And when God's church does well, 
his church does well. When God's people do well, the people who are in your life get blessed also. And when God's people and God's church do well, guess what? The great and glorious purpose Pastor Matt talked about last week gets advanced and it does well. And that's why God wants us to build on the right foundation, not just for us, not just for him, but for those of us he has called called us to reach. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Lord, just for the amazing God that you are. And Lord, first, I just want to pray for, Lord, those of us who are going through something. We don't get it. We don't understand. Lord, I ask you for your supernatural power. Lord, the God that you promised that you are, you would be that to them. Come through. Now, I know it's hard to build during a storm. It's actually really hard to do. Lord, help them get through the storm. But Lord, help us as a church to recommit to building correctly. Father, if we have any shifting or faulty foundations, Lord, let us commit to fixing those. And for those of us who are just new to this, Lord, I pray they would dig deep and build strong on your word, that their faith would be bolstered, Father, and that they'll make it. And I prophesy this church is going to make it. I prophesy to you that you are going to make it no matter what you're going through. I know my God. I don't know what you're going through, but I know my God. Stick with it. He will get you through. Lord, bless every nation, Las Vegas. Lord, help us to accomplish all that you called us to do here in this city, here in this nation, and on the face of this earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.